This is Marathon to March. That was Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Obviously played for the Sweet 16. We are down to the final 16 teams. John Glitzkin, as always, recording from Elevate 231 alongside David Campbell. David, 48 games over the weekend. We are down to the final 16. We'll do our whole Sweet 16 preview on Tuesday on Eric KCOU. How are you feeling right now? You know, I want to first apologize for the potential audio issue uh we're kind of um recording in a living room right now yes so it's a little echo we just watched tcu arizona which is an amazing game and we just witnessed a couple of great teams go at it and i can't wait to recap all the games saturday uh sorry a tuesday show will be amazing and uh i hope you guys all tune in let's go just region by region with this we're looking at the Huge poster bracket up in the living room that we filled out all weekend. Let's start. David, I'll give you the choice. What region do you want to start with? Let's start with the uh, the Stan Sylvie South. The Stan Sylvie South. <laughs> that's the one that's like fresh in my head right yeah, now. Yeah, we just wa- finished watching Arizona survive TCU in overtime. Glad the Wildcats moved on. Hate to see a team like that lose that early. Although I did think TCU was a good team during the regular season. Great, four great te- season from them. Four teams, as always, down to Arizona, Houston, Michigan, Villanova. I think it's only right to start with talking about the team that everyone claimed shouldn't have made the tournament. Everyone claimed their season was over after the uh, melee in Madison, as Titus and Tate called it, call it. Juwan Howard punches Joe Krabinoff. For slaps, slap punches <laughs> Joe Krabinoff for it's, Wisconsin. It's, it's. The season's over. Michigan proceeds to win three of the next five in the regular season. They lose to Indiana, finish the regular season 17 and 14. The committee gives them the benefit of the doubt because of how they were playing at the end of the season. For good reason, Michigan beats Colorado State in a furious comeback on Thursday, to, Thursday to start the day. Saturday afternoon, they take down Tennessee. Tennessee's march comes to an end. Early once again, where are we at right now with this Michigan team, David? Here they are, back-to-back Sweet 16s. I mean, they beat the hottest team in the country. Many would argue that Tennessee was the hottest team going into the tournament and proved it with an absolute de- uh, demolition. Demolition? D- demolish? Demolition, I think it's the Demolition, word. demolish. Uh, demolishment of Longwood, which not surprised to anybody at all. But, you know, Michigan... Yeah, like you said, a lot of people didn't like him. A lot of Indiana fans, a lot of Rutgers fans were pissed that they got the, you know, they got the the the, the buy. Technically, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to play the plan, which a lot of teams thought they should have. Um, but they proved it, and then they beat Tennessee in a game that they really didn't deserve to win in, in many different ways. Not because they didn't play well, but I just felt like Tennessee just kind of beat themselves a lot for the most of the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't uh, hard tuned into it. We had a lot of other stuff going on, but... Uh, Dickinson was great. Getting Devontae Jones back was awesome. Eli Brooks was awesome again. And this this Michigan team, man, they, they can make a run. They're playing Villanova, and obviously, look, no path is easy. But if they just took down Tennessee, the hottest team in the country, you could take down a team in Villanova who lacks a little size. Mm-hmm. Um, they do lack size, yes. However, they're very disciplined. They play great team defense. They just played a great game against Ohio State. And... This is going to be an, a, a truly unbelievable game, a rematch of the national championship from, from a few years ago. Yeah, it's in San Antonio as well, as the entire South Regional is. 
I think with this Michigan team, it, it was always it, it was always I, I I thought they were gonna miss just by a little bit. Um, turns out they weren't even close to missing. Mm. Um, which which obviously I was wrong about. Perfectly fine being wrong about. Bad, perfectly happy with that team getting in with the talent they have and the way they were playing at the end of the season. Michigan, I think the takeaway from this weekend is nothing to do with the tournament. It's the fact that John Beeline leaves, Jawan Howard comes in, and Michigan still runs the Big Ten they do. in basketball, despite I mean, the do. bad year they had. I mean, they do. If we're being completely honest, was it five sweet 16 now? Yeah, five and a I row. mean, like, what Jawan's done in the time that he's been here, and I would argue he's a better recruiter than John Beeline. Oh, much better. Beeline, Beeline was a way better developer. For and sure. Probably the best in the country in that aspect, but from For a recruiting sure. standpoint, Juwan's a way better recruiter. And Juwan's going to lose some guys, obviously, from this year to next year, but he might, he might lose his entire starting lineup for all we know. But his squad this year is really, like, they figure it out at the right time, too. And they play some amazing basketball. Devontae Jones, Eli Brooks seem to be very, very comfortable in the, in the backcourt. Uh, obviously, Eli Brooks learning some things from... Uh, from Xavier Simpson. Yeah, with as, that as shot. We, as we see the hook shot. Um, but with with Houston hitting threes, the Abate being a hustle guy, and then Dickinson being the overall star, their bench is shorter, but it's still really good. And um, I'm just, I'm so happy that, you know, a lot of people were hating on Michigan at the beginning of the year. A lot of people were hating on Michigan during the year. Then a lot more people started hating on Michigan after the Jawan Howard incident. And... That's when, you know, I, I never left his side. He's he's my guy, and you know their season lasted longer than a lot of other Big Ten teams. And um, this is no disrespect to other Big Ten teams; they all had fun seasons in their own way. But Michigan still owns the Big Ten, and Michigan still owns all you guys. Yeah, I don't think the tournament is like an end all be all to how your situ- to how your season went. But if you have a good tournament, obviously, like that's what you're gonna remember mm-hmm. from that from that season. That's what you're gonna be lo- looked at. Um, in future years when people will look back. Some other notable results from the South region, which was honestly like probably our second most normal region yeah. of, of the four so, somehow with, the, with what happened this weekend. Uh, Houston takes down Illinois today in what I thought was a horrible matchup for the Illini. Yeah, I should have seen it coming. I should have seen it coming. Uh, I'm I, mad I didn't see it coming. don't think I have... A critique of Brad Underwood for this one. He didn't do anything I felt was wrong or like bad in terms of coaching. I just felt Houston was a terrible matchup for them and had everything they needed to beat Illinois. Arizona, we, we just mentioned, survived TCU tonight. I'm glad that the Wildcats are still playing. I still think they're really good. I still think they can win a national championship. They totally can. But that TCU team, I said, I said it from the beginning of the tournament, that they rerouted the ball well and they would not be an easy out for Arizona. But they get past them. Uh, we'll talk more Arizona-Houston, that matchup on Tuesday. And then the last other notable result from that is the bottom of that region, Villanova. They, they, they had a tough out today. Ohio State fought back down 15 in the second half. But I tweeted it. I'm going to say it again. Villanova, you can't just outplay them. You have to actually go out there and beat them for for 40 minutes. And Ohio State didn't do that. Villanova escaped with a 10-point win. A couple other first-round things uh, maybe I want to talk about. Chattanooga gave Illinois a scare. They gave him a real scare. It was one that 
I like. I still thought Illinois was gonna win, which is crazy. Like I picked them to win, and I knew Chattanooga was Chattanooga, a little team of destiny action, because obviously um, John Patrice yeah. hit that buzzer beater in their tournament, the Big South. Correct. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm so con. So, so con. con. My bad. My bad. Um, good league, by the way. Good league. They beat Towson, correct? They beat Furman in the Furman. Nah, I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, but Illinois, and, and they got it done. Big win there. It was, it was a great game. One of the better ones of the first round, I'd say. Um, and yeah, overall, this region has been pretty normal. We get a couple of great matchups. And we were going through the, the potential Elite Eight matchups, and no matter what it is, it's a sick I'm, game. I'm good. There's a certain Elite Eight matchups I want in every region. The South, I'm fine. Perfectly fine with any one any, of those four Any of the matchups, yeah. Anything like I, I told you this. I'm like Villanova versus Houston would be one of the most beautiful basketball games to ever witness because the defense would be particularly amazing, and just the overall chemistry from each team and the coaching. To like, dude, we gotta start giving uh, Kelvin Sampson his respect because yeah, I think he's a top ten coach in the sport. I, I would even close argue that he's closer to top five. Yeah, I really really would. Um, and the two him and versus Jay Wright would be just a masterclass between two. It would be. Um, Let's talk about Loyal Ohio State for a real quick second before we move on to the next region. Yep. Um, we could talk all for days about championship overreactions. I'm going to die on the hill that this wasn't one of them. I, I actually I, I thought about it. I agree with you. The shot, shot quality for this game was ridiculous. The shot quality said Vono, or, uh, excuse me, Loyola should have probably won that game based on the quality of shots they took. I think this was a case of Loyola played the exact game they wanted to. They held Ohio State to fifty-four points. They just didn't hit shots yeah. at all. And I think I think it just they just had a really bad day shooting the ball. And I think that's all it was. Mm-hmm. So you know, I agree. Um, and I'm sad that Loyola lost because I'm not a big fan of Ohio State. But you know, and I, you know, obviously we watched Loyola play, and it was fun to watch them play. But you know, uh, so, sometimes that happens, and the best player on the court usually wins. And I think Loyola <laughs> just struggled offensively too much to. To have any chance of winning that game. Let's move. I want to get the uh, Midwest out of the way because I think the um, the West and the East are two really exciting regions right yeah, now. Yeah, I agree. Um, the South's probably the best in terms of qual- uh, quality of teams remaining. I think either that or the West. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you could argue those two. I, I think it, um, they're, they're very, very close. But the Midwest, there's a reason we titled it mid on that board. Mm-hmm. David, because I'm going to the Sweet 16. I'm going to the Elite Eight next week. I expect two good games, but I expect two good games between teams I don't think are all that great. Yeah, so you don't like Kansas. You don't love... I think Providence is all right. I had a take about them a couple weeks before the tournament that I didn't stick to, and I'm very upset about that. And then we get an 11 and a 10, you know, the one where very happy I predicted the Iowa State to come out of the quadrant of... Of uncertainty. I, mean, I, I don't, think I don't the, know what else to call it. I, I will get more into the Miami Iowa State matchup on Tuesday as we will the rest of the Sweet Sixteen. But I think it's really interesting because both those teams are guard dominated teams, but their guards both all play different ways. Yeah, they, they totally do, and and that's a great point. They're very similar teams in many ways. I like Iowa's front court a little bit more, and I love their defense a lot. More. Yeah. But it's going to be a heck of a game. I think Miami's guards are just as good as Iowa State's. And Miami had two games in a row. Speaking of Miami, they had two games in a row of backcourt versus frontcourt. Now they're going to get yeah. defense versus offense yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the Sweet 16. But let's talk about that Miami quadrant a little bit because I know this is going to hurt a, hurt a little. No, it's going to sting a little. I understand. So Miami takes down USC in a really good game. Amazing on, game. <laughs> on Friday. I, Excuse I kinda, me. I kind of wish USC won that game. Yeah. Um, but... 
Miami is a team with experienced guards. Charlie Moore, the DePaul transfer. Cam Augusti's been there a while. And of course, Isaiah Wong, who's the talented now junior, I believe. He was a freshman when I saw Miami play Duke and Coral Gables. David, I sat down and watched Miami play in Coral Gables against Duke in the winter of 2020. It was, um, was it 2020? It was was early 2020. It was January of 2020, end of my winter break. It was like the day before I went back, back home from Florida. And Duke blew him out. It wasn't close. Chris Likes had a terrible game as he did against Trey Jones for uh, the many matchups between those two. Magusti, I thought, was good, but he played a little out of control at times. Wardenberg was on that team, very impressive. They had Rodney Miller, who I don't believe is on that team, or plays um, he, he He's on that team, I believe, but doesn't play a ton. Okay. Um, he's kind of like just a no-name big. Uh, and then they had, I don't remember, you know if you remember Dasan Vasilievich. I do know the name. He was a... About six five, kind of wider white guy that yeah. could, um that could that could not, really not, he it, could I really shoot things, yeah. um and he was really good too for that team he was was really good that Miami team was young they were inexperienced Duke came in there and blew him out yep. but for some reason I walked in walked away from that and so did my dad saying this Miami team could do so, do something next year mm-hmm. they had a bad year. Wong was hurt the entire year. They had injuries pile up. Mugusty got hurt in the ACC tournament when they were making a run. And as you remember, they were a game away from the ACC championship because Virginia went out with COVID. This year, they have a tough start to the season. I'm thinking, eh, maybe this team just doesn't have it. They beat Duke. They get it together. They make the tournament. They beat USC. They beat Auburn. And here we are. Here we are. That's the the story of a man named... Corey? No, isn't like the Brady Bunch? There's oh, no I don't know. Oh, it's my name Brady. It doesn't rhyme with that either well. I'll think of a male name, Ori. But I'll say Glory. It didn't work at all. But, so this um, Miami team will play for a Sweet 16. Let's talk about the Miami Auburn game a little bit tonight. Because I think and I think we both had our opinions about this when when it came out. But the the quote from Zeb Jasper yesterday was the epitome of brutality. not everything that's true needs to be said out loud. And he was right. Auburn hadn't, Miami hadn't seen a defense like Auburn all year. If you look at defensive metrics, Miami hadn't had a single team on their schedule that was really even close to as good as defensively as Auburn. But they played fast. They're experienced. They hit shots. And when Kessler went out to start the game and got two fouls, they really didn't have an answer right from the get go. And look, the thing was Kessler getting the fouls. Like he was just not ready for that game. He was nowhere near the athlete that he needed to be to I mean Miami was so athletic the entire time and they were playing faster than Auburn they're playing harder than Auburn they're playing uh, a stronger game overall defensively and I mean they deserve to win 1000% credit to Miami they made Auburn make mistakes Auburn missed a lot of shots Katie Johnson had a good game and that was the mm-hmm. one positive for Auburn yeah and there's a Jasper quote like Right, he said that. Deep down, I had a feeling like this is just not something you want to say, and I was absolutely pissed when he said it because it's just it's bulletin board material. That, that kind of had vibes for me, and I, I forget who said it, but in 2015, West Virginia was set to play Kentucky in the Sweet 16, and a West Virginia player came out with some quote about Kentucky that that was like they're beatable, like 
just like blah 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 and it's just like why would you say that to, yeah. like just like don't give like these guys don't like give a, them like, and, and like this that's like a different circumstance because kentucky was undefeated and like why would you give an undefeated team a reason to be mad yeah and, and kentucky come, came out and blew them out i think the final score was like 76 to 38 or something like that it was really bad but like it's just like things like that and like i get they're like these are kids like they have egos like Auburn, Auburn had a huge ego. Their team, their team, Auburn's team, and look, I've been an Auburn supporter all year. I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully in any way, shape, or form, but their team had a large ego. Mm-hmm. Their entire team has had, had a had a swagger about them with with the with the pregame memes and their fan base being super, you know, just kind of toxic at times. And yeah. I wasn't a fan of it. Like you know how the way they attacked our buddy Harrison for having a theory about Jacksonville State potentially beating them. You know, the the fan base. Uh, does not like people who threaten their players. Which they're very protective of their their players, very protective of Auburn culture. But I mean, the players bought into that as well, and they got sat down today. I mean, it was a humbling moment for I think a lot of people, and I think Auburn can learn a lot from this, and I hope they do, and I hope they come back stronger. Um, Bruce Pearl, not a great person to lead this team. I don't think he was. I think he held this team back. Yeah, I don't think Auburn's necessarily like gonna. Fall off the side no, of the no, road no. after this, but it's a program that, like you know, they're, they're it's Auburn. They they have good year. They have some really good years. They have some bad years. And they're a team where they wouldn't have made the tournament. I, I don't think either way um, in their suspended year last year. No, but they had Sharif Cooper, who was awesome. Yeah, and they had Alan Flanagan, who was great. Um, it wasn't as good this year, but last year was awesome. And I think that you know they could easily get back. I mean, obviously you lose Jabari, you're probably losing Kessler. You're losing a lot of different guys, but. We'll see they keep. We'll see they bring in. I don't know the recruiting class at all. But, like I said, Auburn, far from the end for them. Yeah, Pearl's a good recruiter. And we saw this year that, like, he's kind of adapted to the whole transfer portal era of college basketball. Let's talk a listen, – listen, I think there's a difference between getting something wrong in a bracket and then getting a take you have right. Like, I think those are two separate things, and they can be categorized as such. We nailed Wisconsin. The entire yeah. year we, we were down on this team. And listen, I feel bad for them that they had to play that game without Chuck Kepern, who I think makes a huge difference for them and will probably be an all-Big Ten player for me next year. Maybe yeah. even an all-Big Ten first-team pl- player with He's the, with, with the awesome. way he played at the end of the year. But this game, they were inefficient offensively, which they were the entire year. And Iowa State wasn't a great offensive team either today, but they did enough. And, and they were great defensively. I think this speaks volume to how good the Big 12 has been just the entire year. And I know they get three Sweet 16 teams, potentially five, with the way the Texas TCU game ended tonight. It's just, like, the thing is, like, the Big 12 prepared Iowa State, I think, like, so well for... These type these types of games against teams that were inefficient offensively, and because they saw a Kansas, Baylor, like all these efficient offensive teams the entire year, and they came out this weekend and it just looked like from a coaching standpoint and from a personnel standpoint that they were way more prepared than the other teams in their quadrant. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and. I'm, like I said, Iowa State took down LSU, and that was a tough spot for LSU to be in mm-hmm. with, with everything going on with them. Yeah. They go into Milwaukee as well and beat basically a home game for Wisconsin. 
and and Stephen Crowell was dominated inside. Tyler Wall played a terrible game. Johnny Davis was wasn't what he needed to be. Nah. And like, Brad was good. Brad, Brad Brad was Brad was good. Brad was fine. He probably and was their only good spot today. Probably. And losing Hepburn obviously kind of hurts your team, but. If they were really that team, then they would have moved. They would have been able to find a way to win. Yeah, and I, I think you could kind of tw- tell if you followed the game and followed Twitter. Like Buck, Bucky pointed this out. They they were playing guys who just like didn't get minutes after yeah. that Hepburn injury, and like they had the play the play that they drew up for Crowell to take a three three and just like like Jacoby. I, Neath I feel like should like he's good. Don't get me wrong. I like Jacoby. He's fine, but. You rely on him that much. It's just like awkward, you know. I think Wisconsin after Chucky went out, they were still in the game, but there, there was a sense of panic. I think from from them and I, I was state like Otzelberger was cool. Like he, they kept doing their thing. They hit shots, but they bro, that guy's gonna wear something different than a polo with a belt and, and high waisted pants. Like he looks silly. By, by the way, I watched Gabe Kalger play a lot of basketball games because I followed that Minnesota team in 2019 very closely, and he was great as a freshman. I think today may have been his best game. As I think it was his player. second best game. I want to say Louisville was his best. Okay, game. yeah, you would know better than he had, me. Like, he had thirty points, like, almost thirty points. That's right. Like, that's game right. Game like seven threes. Yeah, but this was. I mean, he was Iowa State's offense with like almost half their points. <laughs> um, you know, it sucks that Minnesota didn't get the tournament this year. But watching him ball out was, was, was so much fun. Yeah, I, I love Gabe, and I love watching him play. And he's been inconsistent a lot for a lot of his career, especially last season. He's been inconsistent at times this season. But his mid-range game today was flawless. And every time he shot a mid-range jumper, I thought I was going in. Gabe Kalisher, um, after next weekend, will have played either four or five games in his college career at the United Center. And I will have been at half or over half. <laughs> That's funny. So He played three games there, I believe, right in the Big Ten tournament in 2019. Penn State, with, Purdue, and then Michigan. Yeah, they played three games in that tournament. They won two. Um on set, uh, Friday will You'll be his fourth. That's all. I went to the semi that Minnesota lost in nineteen, and, uh, and then I'm in the sweet the sweet sixteen. So I will. That, that's just, just a weird stat. That's very weird. And especially funny. especially considering like he was at Minnesota and transferred. It's not like Minnesota's like playing in the same event and he's still there. Yeah, yeah. It's a completely different thing. Um, what else in that region? Kansas Kansas got taken to the wire by Creighton, which I was extremely pissed because I think Ryan Kalkbrenner probably makes a difference if he's totally in that game. But you know what? I'm gonna walk away from from that being like I took a risk with Creighton. They looked good. I got a, I got unlucky with it a little bit, and I'm gonna be very high on them next next year. Yeah, you know, um, look good. San Diego State. Creighton was a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the longer games. I feel like that was just like, yeah. was less for like four hours. I've watched those highlights now twice. I still cannot believe Creighton won that game. Yeah. I, um, then there's Iowa-Richmond as well. A little upset that literally no one saw coming. I yeah. don't think anyone Richmond to win that game. But that that one, we talked about Loyola not being one. This one is a championship overreaction. I mean, there are – everyone listening knows someone who picked Iowa to go to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows someone who goes to the Final yep. Four to go to the Final Four. It was such a common pick out of that bottom right region. And I'm just like, both of us like, they had a good week. I, you know, and I picked them to lose in, in the second round. So I wasn't like too off, but I mean, that's just, that's just crazy to me. Right. I feel like a lot of things this week, especially with championship overreactions, like, I think there were a lot of things this weekend that like we were right about. We just like were a step, like maybe like too late on, yeah. on them. Like I picked Iowa to lose in the Sweet 16. Like, as, and I thought like, yeah, that's the championship overreaction to lose in the Sweet 16. But first, first rounder, Rich, Richmond, mm-hmm. like 
I mean, it's an experienced team. They had a guy that boxed Keegan Murray and Nathan Kale the entire game, and then Providence just wiped the floor with, with Richmond yesterday. I think we found out a lot of things about Providence this weekend that we probably could have seen the regular regular season if we didn't like overlook them for this whole luck narrative thing. Yeah. They're a long team. They match up very well with they have, a lot they of They have in my opinion probably the best team chemistry in the entire country. I, I think I think one of the things that like people don't realize about them and something that I didn't realize about them until this weekend is they're very adaptable. Like yeah. they have a lot of players that can guard That's different ways to beat you. They have a lot of players that guard different positions and mm-hmm. like they don't get beat inside because Nate, Nate Watson's really good. And then they have like Manaya is a really good defender. They have Al Durham has just come out of nowhere. Yeah, for he's, this team. he's been awesome. He's been awesome. Um, and and, and Cooley's great. And you know, shout out to them. And um, yeah, I think Providence has a great shot against Kansas in the Sweet 16. Let's move on. Uh, that's the Midwest. Let's go to the East. We'll yes. Kind of go down from the right and then across. across I, the I am very happy. Got three of my four Elite Eight teams here. The left side of the bracket is looking yummy for David, to say the least. Yeah, I'm, I got. How many sweets? I got both my final four teams still remaining on this side. UNC, but um, only two elite eight, or, or no, three elite eight teams. Start at the top, UNC, Baylor. Yeah. So UNC leads Baylor by twenty five. Yeah. Brady Manick elbows Jeremy Sohan in the face. Clear. Attempting, attempting to rebound, it was clear, clear as day. day. Oh um, Wow. Uh, there was a mass outbreak on Twitter from. Seth Davis and Jeff Goodman yeah. leading the charge, saying Manic shouldn't have been ejected, ejected. That's a flagrant one. To that I say, since when in the world were you allowed to elbow a guy in the face? And it was very clear that it wasn't like he elbowed him going up to get the rebound. He he elbowed like he like went up to get the rebound like elbow elbowed him before. <laughs> yeah. It like it was very clear like it was it was pretty intentional. So Manic gets tossed out of the game. I don't but, think it was. I don't think Manic was like. You know, like yeah, that. no, no, no. He I didn't don't, do, I don't know why you didn't do it out of frustration. He didn't do it out of frustration. I think it was kind of just like, yeah, like we're owning you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was outplaying Sohan oh without, without a doubt. So I think he was. Dude, Brady Manic was like the best. I, I think he was kind of like, yeah, I'm outplaying you, and I'm also gonna like outplay you physically too. I think it was like kind of, kind of that. But North Carolina, all of a sudden, the lead starts slipping away. North Carolina and. R.J. Davis was great for them. But one of the best players can play. even him for a large part of that second half, there was no one in North Carolina that wanted to handle the ball, and there was no one that wanted to shoot the ball. No. Leaky Black looked like he had never seen a pass before. <laughs> he looked like he'd never seen a basketball before. He was terrified. Every time they zoomed in on the camera, he was like, like he saw, like he saw a ghost. Like he was Sam Darnold out here seeing ghosts, you know. Uh, he the, was terrified. The dude. refs were absolutely awful both ways. It was, yeah, I mean, like for a solid, there was like six minutes, I think like six minutes pro- of game time where ten UNC fouls were called and I, one Baylor foul. I think they were probably worse towards North Carolina than they were Baylor. Yeah. But the Baylor play that the Baylor play that the refs killed the Baylor on that one play where uh, Meyer got hurt and they didn't blow the play, play dead even yeah. though UNC was holding the ball and yeah. then um, they followed him on the floor and at the other end and didn't call, call it all in the same play. But was Baylor, it uh, Leaky Black as well who put the ball off the backboard? Uh Yes, that was in overtime. That was a disaster. And yeah. So Baylor comes back. They tie the game with, I think, like 15 seconds left on a couple big buckets from James Akinjo. Huge. And UNC comes down. 
Didn't really think that was Hubert Davis's best coaching mo moment. I think R.J. Davis got a clean look, but I don't think it was the right shot. He had online. Yeah, he, 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 missed it, he missed it short. I didn't think it was the right shot. Don't Didn't think it was a shot you want. He misses. We go to OT. The feeling in this room, we were sitting here, me, you, Buffs, Harry, and Grant. We were sitting here, and our, we were all just like, yeah, Baylor, Baylor, this is Baylor's game to lose. And... Credit to North Carolina. They you credit to Hubert Davis. He comes. Ethan Cole. Was Grant not here? Grant was here too. Was he? Yeah. Oh, Grant, Grant and Ethan were both here okay. at that point. But they they come out. Hubert Davis gets his guys refocused before overtime. UNC comes out. Baylor's in foul trouble. UNC goes and wins the game. Shocked. Shocked. Unbelief. UNC won that game. And Hubert Davis, in his first season as the Carolina coach, is headed to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Couple NCAA things tournament. I want to talk about. One, Aaron Randall Baycott. How in the world did he not fall out of that, that basketball game? Secondly, if he did fall out, who in the world is UNC bringing in? I mean, they were already playing, um, like Dontra Styles and yeah. Puff Johnson, and um, just McCoy got McCoy got huge missed. minutes in that game, <laughs> which is like uh, okay, and yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. But UNC wins. Baylor will be back, obviously. Um, UCLA just kind of, kind of just, I'm not gonna say demolishes St. Mary's, but like, I was never worried about them in that game. No, not at all. I think St. Mary's avoided the upset versus um, Indiana, which Indiana just looked gas. I mean, like, look, they played in Indianapolis, and then two days later had to go, or a day later had to go to the West Coast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you it's a tough spot. So UCLA. The reason I was so like confident in them beating St. Mary's is because because of the BYU game in the first round last year, and like I'm not saying like the St. Mary's team was a lot better than that BYU team, way mm -hmm. way better, even though that BYU team did win the WCC. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> we're gonna drive this joke into the ground, and it's never gonna end. Uh, um, but that St. Mary's team was way better. Yeah. But you said like St. Mary's and BYU just like when they get into the tournament, like I don't, they're not used to like. Teams like being able to like hit these tough contested so, shots. So we talk about like Gonzaga not being used to teams up to the WCC. We've talked about how like other WCC teams are also, also not used to that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah, you see Gonzaga twice a year, but like eighty percent of the time you're going up against trash. Yeah, like like what does St. Mary's do when they're playing really good D and UCLA starts hitting these tough shots? Like, well, what do they go to? And that's kind of what I felt like the game was going to be like, and that's exactly what it was like. Yeah. So UCLA moves to the Sweet Sixteen. We had the Purdue quadrant that I thought Virginia Tech was going to win. I kind of overlooked. I should have. I, I, I really am pissed I didn't pick Texas in this because I knew, I, I knew Texas was going to win that game. I, I kind of overlooked the Virginia Tech-Texas matchup because I thought Virginia Tech matched up with Purdue so well. It was a bit of a championship over overreaction, a bit of a bad evaluation on a matchup by me. I still stand by that Virginia Tech would have been a good matchup for Purdue, but Virginia Tech didn't play Purdue. Texas did. And it was an interesting game tonight. Marcus Carr got going early. If Texas hadn't had such a slow start, they maybe win that game. Yeah. Purdue gets one step further than I thought they were going to. And I had the whole top 10 offense, bottom, not top 50 defense stat. But they're going to the Elite Eight. Purdue's playing St. Peter's. Purdue's probably going to be in the Elite Eight. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not saying they got lucky, but. They got St. Peter's. You know, they didn't get Kentucky. Sometimes, sometimes the draw falls your way. When, when, when this bracket came out, I thought they had a really bad draw. We looked down, they had a really good draw. Yeah. Let's talk about the quadrant maybe of the tournament so far. You had the game of the day. Sorry, game of the weekend and possibly in Murray, Murray State, State, San Francisco. San Fran was Final great. game of day one, I think it was. 
Um, unbelievable back and forth stuff. Jamari Boye with one of the best performances that resulted in a loss I think we've ever seen. Murray State holds on and wins. Um, but then they have they run into a little problem. They get super excited playing a 15 seed because St. Peter's knocks off Kentucky and they lose to St. Peter's. St. Peter's, the Sweet 16, a team where I think they spend the lowest amount of money out of every D1 program in basketball. I think they have the yeah, lowest budget. They do. And I, I want to say they're like they're like recruiting coordinators getting paid more than uh No, Kentucky's recruiting coordinator. Yeah, the Kentucky's recruiting yeah. coordinator is getting paid more than uh than Holloway. Shaheen Holloway head coach of St. Peter's. Yeah. Unbelievable from them. And Shaheen And he's Holloway, gonna get the Seton Hall job. Oh, no doubt. And he'll get a great job and unbelievable from from what what a what a team, the Peacocks and they're, you know, this is two straight years, now a 15 seed moving, moving to Sweet 16. So it's like. So, let's, let's, I'm going to just go over the analysis of this real quick. Murray State, San Francisco, after the injury to Masalski in practice earlier in the week, I always felt Murray State was going to win that game. The Mizzou basketball fan inside of me and the Mizzou student on this campus looked at that game from a standpoint of. Murray State was the better team. I think Todd Golden was the better coach. Yeah. And Todd Golden, the next day, get tired of Florida, and we're going to get into some more coaching hires on Tuesday. A little bit. But I'm very glad after watching that game that Mizzou isn't hiring Matt McMahon. I didn't think he was great in that game, and I didn't think he was good against St. Peter's either. Kentucky-St. Peter's is a completely different story. We get a 15 seed winning a game in back-to-back years, winning two games in back-to-back years. The third time and that, that that's happened, that a 15 seed has won multiple games in the history of the NCAA tournament. Murray State, like you said, kind of got too excited. They overlooked um, the fact that they were playing a 15 seed and not Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And just from the game itself, the Kentucky-St. Peter's game itself, I'm not sure how St. Peter's stayed in it, but they did, and they hit big shots late, and here we had it. St. Peter's knocks off Kentucky. It's unbelievable. A team it's that one, I, of the, one of the best upsets ever. A team that I un, not publicly thought may win the national championship at one point. St. Peter's? Year. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, St. Peter's. Yeah. Um, uh. They go and beat Murray State now, and they're playing in the Sweet 16. And that leads me into this, David. And we were, uh, the first of two rules being added to the bracket Bible this weekend. When a 15 seed beats a two, be very careful about what you do with that 7-10 game. And, like, listen, that's a hard rule because no one ever is picking a 15 to beat a two. Not anyone, yeah. at least, that follows the sport of college basketball. Yeah. Uh, I think Oral Roberts may have been a very rare case for some people. Oral Roberts shouldn't have been a 15. I mean, we right. failed that miserably. Yeah, so, so the, the St. Peter's team, like, they they just, they played so, so well. We knew they were good defensively coming in. And so the, the basically the rule, and it's more of like, just like a, a betting rule, I guess, for people that do that. When you're, if a 7 seed or a 10 seed is playing in the second round against a 15 seed... Be, be very careful because yeah. I, I think the reaction that we're getting out of this is 
a seven seed sees that 15 seed and they're not just like, oh, we know we got to go lock in and focus on this two seed now. It's, oh my God, we have to play, we get to play a 15 seed now. Yeah. It's not we have to, it's we get to. Yep. So I, I think that's one of the roles. North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, St. Peter's will be the matchup in the East region. Let's go to the West. Which is the one and only region that I got 100% right in the Elite Eight. I got three out of four. I went I got, straight I got chalk. Two, I got two out of four. I went straight chalk. And, got it right. and it worked out. So let's, let's go top to bottom. Gonzaga got scared a little bit by Georgia State on Thursday. Bro, got um, scared twice this weekend. But I think the story of that quadrant was Memphis was up 10 on the Bulldogs at halftime. Yep. And I don't take away anything from that game except for the fact that Gonzaga didn't have a good path this year. They had a difficult, cold region, unlike last year, and I think the Memphis game proved that. Arkansas gave them a tough test, too. Arkansas, Arkansas matches up very well with Drew Timmy. But also, there aren't many 9, 8, 9 seeds that you see that are as close to the athletes that Memphis had. Are there, is there an 8, 9 seed? Like, I guess you would see. is <laughs> a, a decent example. Yeah, but like, even they don't have like the athleticism and size that they Memphis could be, has. They, could, they could give them like a test. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I, I don't, like, TCU obviously just gave Arizona a test. I'm just saying, like last year, it was Oklahoma and Missouri, right. and there was no worry in Missouri worry. There was no worry in my mind that Gonzaga was ever going to lose it, like lose against either of those teams. No, I think my, my confidence. I told Harry my worry level was at a six out of ten at halftime of that game. Yeah. I still thought Gonzaga was going to come back and win, and they went and made the adjustments. I thought Penny managed timeouts a little poorly in the second half, but credit to him for. The first time I've ever said that on the show. Credit to Penny Hardaway for getting this Memphis team season turned around. You could argue at the end of the season that in the last month of the season, they were playing like a top 10 team. Yeah, they're going to lose Durham, but I think base stays. I think he does too. And you have to remember, he was a, he's supposed to be senior in high school this year. So, Devin Askew. Yeah, the, um, Memphis was, Jalen Duran was way beyond what his age. Way beyond what he is senior in high school. He he in my opinion is a top seven eight prospect. Yeah, in the NBA draft. I mean, he was so good um, against Gonzaga, and and he's gonna be a great NBA player. So I think they'll keep a couple players from that team. I think Memphis should be fine again next year, especially if Amani takes another step. He was playing, he played pretty well against Boise State, and was playing and played decent against Gonzaga as well. So move to that three quadrant below Gonzaga to the Sweet Sixteen. Arkansas knocks off Vermont, a, a popular upset. Vermont hung around. Arkansas' defense was probably too much, and that was the same way against New Mexico State. New Mexico State knocked off UConn. Danny Hurley loses in the second round for the second straight year. I have my doubts about him. I think he's a fiery guy. I'd love to play for, play for him. I don't think from a preparation standpoint and from an X and O standpoint, he's that good of a coach. I don't disagree. Teddy Allen. Hello. Yeah. Teddy what Allen. a game he had. Welcome to the big dance, Teddy. The Nebraska transfer. Possibly the performance of night one. Timmy's brother. Yep. Arkansas, ugly game against Vermont. Ugly game against New Mexico State. That's the way they've won all year. And I, now they're here against Gonzaga. I think they match up against Timmy. No, Tay has yet to have that game. In the tournament. Yeah, he's... And that's like those two games he hasn't been like unbelievable. Like, you know, Tay that... That we can see the Jaden Otay against Kentucky, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He could go off against Gonzaga, and I think he will. Yeah, I think it's I still a, think Gonzaga will win, but we'll get into that Tuesday. I think it's a big game for Chet. I think it's probably a big game for Bolton because I like Devo Davis on Nemhard. I think that's a 
good matchup for Arkansas. I think he can slow him down. Uh, Arkansas wins that quadrant. Alabama loses to Notre Dame. Let's not get not into, surprising. Let's get into the second rule. rule being added to the bracket Bible and the second and only rule being added so far. If you want to pick a team that is playing in the first four and you want to pick them to win their first round game, if they lose, go pick the other team as well. Because more likely than not, you're not picking that first four team because you think they're good. After all, they're playing in the first four. You're picking against the team they're playing. Yep. That was my logic behind Rutgers Notre Dame. Notre Dame beats Alabama. Texas Tech probably had the best performance of the tournament so far in terms of just like domination they killed, against Montana State. Killed Montana State. It was wow. Like Worst offensive explosion. Montana State probably Montana State's the Cleveland State, aren't they? Of last yeah. year. And Ooh. like who's Cleveland State coach again? Dennis Gates. Yeah. Um, uh, future Mizzou coach Dennis Gates. We'll get into that, of course, in the uh, yeah, David and I have some opinions on, on that. Uh, but Texas Tech Notre Dame today. I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my exec meeting for my fraternity, and uh, Texas Tech is trailing Notre Dame. They're kind of in the game. Notre Dame takes the lead in the high forties with five minutes to go, and I'm sitting there thinking like. Please give me Notre yeah. Dame because Duke played Notre Dame early in the year, held them to forty-three points. Do you want to see an ACC team in the tournament? We played an ACC team in the Sweet Sixteen in twenty eighteen. It was close. We struggled, but we beat them, and it was uh, Syracuse. And now we get to watch Texas Tech, which is going to be one of the best games I think of the weekend. Yeah, they're no middle defense. That's Thursday night. Problems. Too. Thursday night at like eight thirty ish. Yeah, and then the last quadrant we have to get into. I was adamant Michigan State was beating Davidson. And I'm glad I got that right. I think Michigan State... I won, so yeah. Foster, Foster Lawyer, as expected, kind of didn't play all that great. They, Davidson was pretty good everywhere else. But Michigan State had their way inside. Their athleticism eventually got to Davidson, I think. They trailed. Kind of was back and forth. Michigan State takes that game. You know I was worried about today for, for yep. Duke. You, and were, we you looked, thought they were going to lose. We looked great on Friday against Fullerton. Listen... Izzo's was a great coach. He's got the last couple of years. He's gotten the best of Coach K a couple of times. That hasn't always been the case. Coach K started his career. I want to say like eleven and one against Izzo before the last couple of matchups. They split the final four four matchups when they see each other. They've played the last four years. Weirdly, they played in 2019, 2020, and 2022. Now, Duke leads most of the game. We, we hit a shot. We get a couple buckets. Michigan State hits a three. Our three-point defense today was terrible. Yeah. It was no, nothing short of terrible. We couldn't, couldn't get to the line. And Michigan State was hitting tough shots. Credit, credit to them. I was sitting here with Boston. You were out for uh, the first half and I think first half of the second half as well for this yep, game. Yep. And I was sitting there and the whole time I just kept muttering to myself. And I, wasn't, I was kind of calm. <laughs> like weird, weird for a Duke game that I, that I was this calm. And I was just kind of sitting there muttering to myself like, we're letting them hang around. Like yep. I'm like, I, you can you can ask boss. I kept saying like, push us out to twelve, push us out to fourteen, get this to double digits. Like this doesn't feel as comfortable as it should be. And Michigan State kind of stayed at between like five and nine the entire game. I think Duke may have got the lead to double digits once, but they hang around, and all of a sudden Michigan State goes on a run. And that was all it took it was one run to get them back in the game. The Spartans. 
get the lead down to two, to take the lead 70-65 with like five minutes to go. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, this is it. This, this is, is this is this is over. This is the farewell this for is, Coach This K. is exactly what I kind of thought could happen in this game. Duke comes out of the under four, down I think three, 70-67. They lock up. Maybe, maybe it wasn't 70-67, but they were down like two or three at the under four. Duke comes out of that. On, of that timeout. They go on like a 15-4 to run to, to end the game. Unbelievable defense. Mark Williams gets a block. Paolo scores on one end to take the lead. At that point, it was 75-74, I want to say. They come down to the other end. Hauser drives to the rim. Michigan State couldn't get anything. Yeah. Paolo blocks him. Duke comes down. End of the shot clock. Jeremy Roach. It's a rhythm dribble three. Yeah. Jeremy Roach. When this team... Is as good as they are next year, we will think of Jeremy Roach as Quinn Cook. Yeah. He has been so good in the second half of the season on both ends. He has really turned a corner. Duke wins 85-76. They go to the second weekend for the first time since 2019. Can you imagine real quick, uh, quick T for all you fans of crazy shots out there. Half-court shot almost went in for Michigan State at the end of the first half. Yeah, Hogard. Who was it? Hogard, yep. Just hoisted one. And it almost, it was halfway in. Also, Coach, coach drew up an unbelievable set at the end of the first half. I don't know if you saw it. They ran, they, they turned to Boston, or I turned to Boston. He's like, well, he's like, what would you run here out of this timeout? Because we called timeout with like 10 seconds left. I'm like, well, I'd probably go elevator and then I'd slip a guy to the basket. And, and I think that would probably work because AJ is such a good shooter. And I just kind of assumed, I'm like, yeah, they're probably just going to get Paolo in a ball screen and let him go, which is like, it isn't a bad option, but not something like, I would prefer, and yeah. like, just get the ball in your best player's hands. Sure enough, they come out. AJ comes through an elevator. Mark Williams slips a screen and he yeah. gets a dunk before the half. And I text my dad. I'm like, oh my god, that was awesome. Yeah. So that was that was unreal to see. Um, glad glad they closed that out. Glad they're in the Sweet 16, first time since 2019, and that concludes the first weekend recap. Um, performance of the first round, David. Do you have Do you have a it has to, oh man. We'll the go performance of the first weekend. first round, and we'll go performance of the second. I want to be someone who like won. I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to Teddy Allen from Mexico State. That makes sense. I'm gonna give it to Teddy Allen from Mexico State. They won as well, and he was just absolutely spectacular. I'm going to give performance of the first round. Kind of looking through the bracket, just want to make sure I got everything. Um, I'm actually gonna give the performance of the first round. I think to uh. Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame, who great, really great first, who yeah. really like great first round game, kind of got Michigan, oh, not Michigan, Notre Dame's offense to a different level in that game against Alabama. Some couple, a couple other notable ones. Uh, just looking through the bracket here, I thought Johnny Davis was great late in the game against Colgate, taking over. Colgate hung around for so long in that that game. Oh, just looking through here, there were not many like individual like unreal performances of the. First round, but just a bunch of like good quality basketball games. Well, Marcus Carr was spectacular against Virginia Tech. He had a great, um, he had a great two great two great games. A, a guy that we kind of expected more from a scoring standpoint this year, but yeah. still had a great year, was fantastic in the first round against Virginia Tech. Performance of the second round. I'm gonna say performance of the the, the first weekend has to be one of two guys for me personally. Guys who bought, um, guys who had just two great games. Hunter Dickinson had two amazing games. Yeah, yeah, he did. And he's 
un- he's literally unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then also, I know he had objective, but Brady Manic was awesome in both games. And he yeah. did as well. I'm going to give a couple ones. Um, Isaiah Wong, I think, yep. was yep. fantastic this weekend for mm-hmm. Miami. I um Gabe Kalsher, I already mentioned yep, too. Awesome. Uh, I don't. I think Timmy has to be recognized for what he did in the second you're, half. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He does. Uh, Mather and Coloco were both great today in securing that Arizona oh, they're W. Amazing. They're amazing. Um, Houston, great team effort. Um, what else? Oh, R.J. Davis was unbelievable. Oh, R.J. Davis was spectacular. Uh, and then, um, Trey Alexander. I actually forgot to mention. Um, in both games for Creighton yeah. and Kaluma too. Was just a dog. Yeah, two two, uh, two unbelievable games for both of those guys to get created W and then almost get him a second one. Kansas didn't. Uh, Kansas didn't have anyone that like a uh, Remy was great, great in the Creighton game, but he like Remy, he, yeah, Remy was good. The Kansas blew out Texas Southern. That was one of the worst games of the f- first round. Um, yeah, just unbelievable performance. Doug Doug Andert from Saint Peter's obviously has to be mentioned for what yeah. he did against uh, Kentucky in the first round. Should and be a fun. Yeah. Casey and Defo. Casey and Defo's been great. Yeah. Um, Sam Fetterman, guest of the, the guest of the show, will be seeing St. Peter's live in the Sweet 16 and ah. Philly. That's going to conclude the first weekend recap of the NCAA tournament. We have four more rounds. Still plenty of games to cover. David and I will have the second weekend preview. On Tuesday, also going to talk some coaching hires. Thank you for tuning in to Marathon in March. It's been a good one. We'll see you guys Tuesday. How could you be so heartless? How could you be so heartless? How could you be so?